Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Coming up on today's show, the Pope at Musquachis issuing a formal apology on Canadian soil as promised. We'll talk about that. Abuse in sport, it's a big deal in this country. Why is it so pervasive in these national organizations? And the monarch butterfly ends up on the endangered species list. The Pope is now speaking at Musquachi, so uh, why don't we listen in live? This is uh, Pope Francis speaking to residential school survivors at Musquachi. Lions that speak to us, they enable us to remember, to remember, brothers and sisters. You have lived on these lands for thousands of years, following ways of life that respect the earth, which you received as a legacy from past generations and are keeping for those yet to come. You have treated it as a sign of the Creator to be shared with others and to be cherished in harmony with all that exists, in profound fellowship with all living beings. In this way, you learn to foster a sense of family and community and to build solid bonds between generations honoring your elders and caring for your little ones. A treasury of sound customs and teachings centered on concern for others, truthfulness, courage and respect, humility, honesty, and practical wisdom. Yet, if those were the first steps taken in these lands, The path of remembrance leads us, sadly, to those that followed. The place where we are gathered renews within me the deep sense of pain and remorse that I have felt in these past months. I think back on the tragic situations that so many of you your families and your communities have known of what you shared with me about the suffering you endured in the residential schools. These are traumas that are in some way reawakened whenever the subject comes up. I realize too that our meeting today can bring back old memories and wounds and that many of you may feel uncomfortable even as I speak. Yet it is right to remember because forgetting leads to indifference. And as has been said, the opposite of love is not hatred, it is indifference. And the opposite of life is not death, it is indifference. To remember the devastating experiences that took place in the residential schools hurts angers, causes pain, and yet it is necessary. Yet, 
if, these, if those were the first steps taken in these lands, the path of remembrance leads us sadly to those that followed. The place where we are gathered renews within me the deep sense of pain and remorse that I have felt in these past months. I think back on the tragic situations that so many of you, your families, and your communities have known of what you shared with me about the suffering you endured in the residential schools. These are traumas that are in some way reawakened whenever the subject comes up. I realize too that our meeting today can bring back old memories and hurts and that many of you may feel uncomfortable even as I speak. Yet, it is right to remember because forgetfulness leads to indifference. And as has been said, the opposite of love is not hatred, it's indifference. And the opposite of life is not death, it's indifference. To remember the devastating experiences that took place in the residential schools, hurts, angers, causes pain, and yet it is necessary. It is necessary to remember how the policies of assimilation and enfranchisement, which also included the residential school system, were devastating for the people of these lands. When the European colonists first arrived here, there was a great opportunity to bring about a fruitful encounter between cultures, traditions, and forms of spirituality. Yet for the most part, that did not happen. Again, I think back on the stories you told me, how the policies of assimilation ended up systematically marginalizing the indigenous peoples, how also through the system of residential schools, your languages and cultures were denigrated and suppressed, how children suffered physical, verbal, psychological, and spiritual abuse, how they were taken away from their homes at a young age, and how that indelibly affected relationships between parents and children, grandparents and grandchildren. It is necessary to remember how the policies of assimilation and enfranchisement, which also included the residential school system, were devastating for the peoples of these lands. When the European colonists first arrived here, there was a great opportunity to bring about a fruitful encounter between cultures, traditions, and forms of spirituality. Yet, for the most part, that did not happen. Again, I think back on the stories you told how the policies of assimilation ended up systematically marginalizing the indigenous peoples. How also, through the system of residential schools, your languages and cultures were denigrated and suppressed. How children suffered physical, verbal, 
psychological and spiritual abuse. How they were taken away from their homes at a young age and how that indelibly affected relationships between parents and children, grandparents and grandchildren. I thank you for making me appreciate this, for telling me about the heavy burdens that you still bear, for sharing with me these bitter memories. Today, I am here in this land that, along with its ancient memories, preserves the scars of still open wounds. I am here because the first step of my penitential pilgrimage among you is that of again asking forgiveness, of telling you once more that I am deeply sorry. Sorry for the ways in which, regrettably, many Christians supported the colonizing mentality of the powers that oppressed the indigenous peoples. I am sorry. I ask forgiveness in particular for the ways in which many members of the church and of religious communities cooperated, not least through their indifference, in projects of cultural destruction and forced assimilation promoted by the governments of that time, which culminated in the system of residential schools. I thank you for making me appreciate this, for telling me about the heavy burdens that you still bear, for sharing with me these bitter memories. Today, I am here in this land that along with its ancient memories preserves the scars of still open wounds. I am here because the first step of my penitential pilgrimage among you is that of again asking forgiveness, of telling you once more that I am deeply sorry. Sorry. Sorry for the ways in which, regrettably, many Christians supported the colonizing mentality of the powers that oppressed the indigenous peoples. I am sorry. I ask forgiveness. I ask forgiveness, in particular, for the ways in which many members of the church and of religious communities cooperated, not least through their indifference in projects of cultural destruction and forced assimilation promoted by the governments of that time, which culminated in the system of residential schools. And there you have it. Live here on Chorus Radio, the apology that this is all about, the entire reason for the Pope being in our province this week, uh, apologizing and asking for forgiveness. And as you heard, the residential school survivors in attendance broke into a... 
Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Applause. where the federal government um, decided to freeze funding for Gymnastics Canada uh, amid calls for an investigation into sexual misconduct within that organization. Um, and uh, the Prime Minister is saying that that organization has to be concerned. Their primary effort here should be to try and reassure parents across the country that the sport is safe for their kids. Of course, that comes at the same time as we're dealing with all of the stories surrounding Hockey Canada right now and the situation that they're facing. And I think most people understand that this is um, a reckoning of the larger scale for Hockey Canada. And the organization, I think, personally, is going to have to be fundamentally altered um, to sort of restore any kind of reputation in this country because you know about the 2018 incident uh, where they settled the lawsuit with a woman who alleged she was um, sexually assaulted by eight players from that team. Then last week we learned about an incident uh, in 2003 involving several players from that World Junior Hockey team. Of course, we heard about the fact that they have they have a reserve fund for uninsured liabilities and money from that fund had been used to settle um, sexual assault incidents. And it's just people are fed up. People have had enough. But um, it's not the first time. We, we, we've talked about this before, right? Hockey culture, Hockey Canada, they've done a tremendous amount of talk about changing this situation. Clearly, it's been all talk up until now. We're going to chat with Dr. Peter Donnelly, a director at the Center for Sport Policy Studies and a professor emeritus in sport policy and politics at the University of Toronto. Um, Dr. Donnelly, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Why don't we just start, you know, we're taking a look at Gymnastics Canada, Hockey Canada, very different, you know, incidents that brought us to the same point where the organization is under scrutiny, funding being funded, and, you know, politicians saying, get your act together. Why, what is it about sports organizations where it's been so difficult to, to get, have them get their acts together? Um, in, in a very real sense, they're private organizations, even though they accept uh, uh, government money. And uh, and they have what in the law is called the uh, the autonomy of of the organisations to to govern themselves to rule themselves and so um, while the government expects transpar- transparency from organisations that it, that it helps to fund um, that has not been honoured very much by sport organisations. So do you think, uh, based on what we're seeing now, that's going to change? I mean, you're, I mean, Hockey Canada probably the biggest, the largest, I would think. Uh, Gymnastics Canada as well. But, I mean, are we going to get to a point now where, okay, this kind of autonomy and ability to re- write their own rules is going to be altered? 
Um, I think so. I think there's going to have to be a lot more transparency and accountability and democracy in the organizations such that uh, athletes have much more of a voice in the organizations and and any funding that is paid by the public as membership fees or as uh, or through taxes as uh, support for the organization and as as sponsorship from org- from corporations who expect them to be yeah. uh, accountable as well um, they're going to have to be much more accountable about that you know, I'm wondering, you've been working on this and writing about this for a very long time, unfortunately, and we've seen all kinds of campaigns, you know, public ad- advertisements and and you name it, and, and work that I know um, families that are involved in Hockey Canada do have to do around training and things like that. I mean, to me, it's sort of like we've been talking about this for so long, but clearly it's just been talk. Is that the impression that you have? Uh, for the most part, it's just been talk, yeah. It's... Uh, um there's been a culture of silence that, that you know you know we 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 kid about uh, in terms of what happens in the locker room what happens in sports but that culture of silence is enforced in really important ways mostly through the threat of retaliation and retaliation uh, for young hockey players young gymnasts can mean the end of their career and so they learn and it just becomes naturalized to to not talk about what's happening and to not uh, to not blow the whistle on on what is happening and so um, as a lot of people have known that these kinds of things were going on for a long time but it it's just been protected is that why we talk so much about having some sort of external agency involved not yeah. uh, I mean the self-reporting the self-policing the self-discipline clearly that's failed um, is that is that part of the one of the biggest pieces to making this a different situation it's the biggest piece it's the biggest piece to take it away from the organizations themselves that who have continually failed uh, either by not um, not following through on uh, on really serious uh, matters in in their organization uh, by brushing it away by uh, uh, having a nothing to see here kind of attitude and so um, I think they need to be scrutinized and certainly with the case with the case of abuse of of athletes uh, whether it's physical or psychological or sexual um, that has now to come to a head and and the government has uh, established through through sport Canada um, an independent integrity uh, organization who will will be available to athletes who who do have concerns athletes and their parents who do have concerns um to report without risk of retaliation um are there organizations we're talking about gymnastics and hockey that are under the microscope for absolutely failing on this file are there organizations sport organizations that have done a good job around this uh it's difficult to know really hey the fact, well, the fact that uh, that we haven't heard about other organizations doesn't mean that it hasn't been going on. And I think we've heard from about half a dozen organizations in recent years, including Rugby Canada, uh, Soccer Canada, Wrestling, um, and a number of others that uh, have had problems. And athletes have finally um, built up the... Uh, this, the solidarity and the strength to begin to call them out on it. Is this a reckoning for Hockey Canada and for Gymnastics Canada, do you think? I mean, there, there, there's, there's no way we continue status quo beyond this, right? 
I would hope so. I mean, I really hope that this is just not going to disappear with the next news cycle. Um, I think that things are happening now. The fact that corporations have withdrawn uh, or suspended funding, uh, uh, that the government has now said that uh, they, they need to see much more accountability. I hope, I hope that this is is the is the moment of change that I've been hoping for for 40 years yeah. and uh and uh, I would hate to see this just uh get swept under like it has so often in the past. Yeah, I think you so many people would agree with you on that uh Dr. Donnelly right across the country. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That is Dr. Peter Donnelly who is a director at the Center for Sport and Policy Studies. Professor Emeritus, Sport Policy and Politics at the University of Toronto. So, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Um, Hockey Canada executives are to be back on Parliament Hill. I'm not sure of the date um, when that is supposed to happen, but they're going to be back in front of MPs. things as a matter of fact. We're going to have a conversation about endangered species and then tell you how you can get involved with something I believe this coming weekend uh, that might help out with some conservationists. So we're going to chat now with Andrew Holland, who is the National Media Relations Director for the Nature Conservancy of Canada. Andrew, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time, sir. Thank you for having me. So this conversation came about because last week, as I'm sure most of our listeners are aware, the monarch butterfly, which we all know and we all love, the great big yellow and black ones, has been placed onto the endangered species list. Um, I, I guess the question I have, Andrew, is um, has this been something that's been ongoing? Is it sudden? Um, wh- what, what happened with our butterflies? It has been ongoing, really, since uh, the for the past 30 years, really, since the 1990s. These uh, butterflies, and they are iconic. They're big. You know, yeah. people can identify them better than a lot of the smaller other butterflies because they are black and orange and, and this type of thing. And uh, But, yeah, they've declined a lot, and in some provinces in Canada, by over 80% for the past 30 years. Uh, And the major driver, uh, Shane, because of that is the loss of their habitat here in Canada, and that's milkweed. Milkweed is the plant that they have to lay their eggs on, and that that this is... uh, what their can the caterpillars feed on in order to grow and become a butterfly, and so milkweed has uh, been lost a lot in Canada due to herbicide use. And so, uh, for the benefit of your listeners, milkweed is seen in meadow areas and farmers' fields and around roadside ditches. But this is what these uh, these butterflies need, and it's been declining uh, over the past thirty years. Hey, strange question. Monarch butterfly caterpillar, what do they look like? Are those the fuzzy black and yellow ones? They are, and and they ultimately look like they're big. They're identifiable in the summer in particular. They're orange and black, and they're big compared to others. And they they migrate uh, to Mexico uh, each fall, and they come back here, and they're seen in our our gardens and our parks and this type of thing over the years and uh, basically they migrate down through to Mexico and uh, uh, the BC butterflies migrate to uh, to California. 
Interesting. Okay. Now, when a, when a species, and there's tens of thousands of them now on the threatened and endangered list, who makes that determination? How do we decide, okay, now this species is endangered, and, and what happens when we do have a species that gets onto that list? Does, do, do more conservation efforts kick in? In some cases, yes. This was a, an announcement the other day by the International Union for the Conservation of uh, of nature. Now, here in Canada, there's what's called CASEWIC, which is an acronym that most people wouldn't know about, but it stands for the Committee on the Status of Endangered Wildlife in Canada. And they have listed these in, in, as endangered here in this country since 2016, the monarch butterfly. Okay. But federally, though, by the Species at Risk Act of the federal government, uh, it is not listed endangered. So it doesn't have any actual legal protection here in Canada. But now that this decision has been made, it's more information that uh, hopefully make people aware that this butterfly is not doing as as good as we thought. And maybe we can all help out by planting milkweed uh, in our gardens and go to the local garden center, uh, the local nursery and find milkweed and plant it in your yards. And that can, that is one way that we can all help uh, this remarkable butterfly bounce back because it's unique in Canada, Shane, and it, it's the only insect in the country that flies 4,000 kilometers to migrate. It's sort of like a bird, but it's the only insect that does this, and it's an important pollinator as well, which is good for our flowers and, and crops and this type of thing. It is amazing just to think of those butterflies flying that distance. It's It's unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah, that's what makes them a bit of a a bit of a phenomenon. It makes them more unique that they do travel that distance. They're amazing. And uh, so, yeah, the, the, it's an, an iconic species yeah. here in Canada. They've been uh, sort of having a tough time, and this underscores that we need to do a little bit more to protect them. But at least this is something we can all do is by, like I said, going to a garden center or a nursery, finding out what kind of milkweed is good for for your local conditions whether it's common milkweed or butterfly weed and other ones called you can find out what might grow best in, in your area and and try and put that in your your yard or your flower beds or gardens um this weekend uh, the long weekend as a matter of fact you guys are running a program uh that will help uh, well, at least document what's going on in the nature around all of us across this country. Tell us about what's going on this weekend, the uh, Backyard Bio Blitz. Yeah, it's the third annual event, and it's intended to get Canadians outside again and sort of report what they see. It just We have the phones in our pockets anyway. Yeah. So here's a way for people to contribute to uh, citizen science and upload pictures of whether it's the monarch butterfly or it can be an ant or a bumblebee or a certain tree or shrub. Last year, there were over 36,000 observations sent in, and it's the same this year. Like, we want people to uh, participate by taking pictures of what they see, and it contributes to conservation efforts because it helps better identify the range and distribution of different plants and trees and shrubs and this type of thing, but it also can identify where non-native invasive species may be and how municipalities and communities need to control and contain the spread of those like invasive beetles that destroy trees or different things like that. 
Um, and I think, you know, it would also have people, even if you just spend a few more minutes sort of paying attention to what's around you, you're going to learn something from that, right? That's right. And that's why we started it in the first place. Uh, Shane, during the pandemic, the Nature Conservancy of Canada figured, well, golly, we spent a lot of time in and around our houses in yeah. March and April and May of, of 2020. So we figured, look, people need a, a bit of a, a, a boost to their mood and make them feel good about something. Let's get people out to do things in and around their yards or if they live in a condo or an apartment building, in and around their subdivision and and find things that families can do and participate in So and learn about what plants and animals and butterflies and things are in their area. So that way, if they can connect to the outdoors and connect more with nature, they'll appreciate it more and hopefully support conservation efforts and groups like Nature Conservancy of Canada. It's been working in Alberta since 1974, uh, working with willing private landowners who want to donate their lands or sell their lands for permanent conservation or make easements. When we've done many in the province, certainly in the High River area and the Crow's Nest Pass with ranchers working cooperatively with them to protect, you know, native grassland areas and this type of thing. I like it. It's a great idea, Andrew, and uh, I'm sure lots of people will jump on and take part this weekend. I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your time, and I appreciate the opportunity. And if I can just mention the website sure, where yeah. people can sign up, it's just natureconservancy.ca is our, our main website, or they can go to uh, bioblitz.ca, and uh, they can uh, check it out. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for your time. That is Andrew Holland, who is the National Media Relations Director with uh, Nature Conservancy of Canada. It sounds like a pretty cool idea. The third annual Big Backyard Bio Blitz goes this weekend, the long weekend, right across the country. And it's pretty simple. Um, Snap photos of any species you find and uh, submit it to one of the largest crowdsourced species inventories in Canada. Listen to some of the numbers uh, from last year. More than 6,500 people took part in this last year. More than 36,000 observations were made across Canada. And one observer in Alberta, just one observer in Alberta, logged more than 500 species observations. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.